Welcome to the Football Game Plan Radio Network, where football makes sense. This is Chris James, your host, and this is the 5-in-5, going over FBS's biggest games of week. I think it's week 10 at this point. Yeah, week 10. And uh, just giving you different things like the overview, uh, keys to victory for each team, as well as the thing that you look for, which seems to be the most, my wonderful analysis, (laughs) And also, uh, you know, the, the, the spread on the game and the over-under and my expectations, my predictions for each game. <clears throat> so we usually go in chronological order. If there's a game that's played uh, uh, on, let's say, a Thursday or Friday for the show, which uh, would go first. And then I'll tell you the network it's on so you're not channel surfing too much. You can go right to the game. But without further ado, we're going to jump into our first game. It's actually a, a 12 noon Eastern Standard Time game. It'll be on ESPN2 this lovely uh, November 5th that's coming up. And it places the number seven in the rankings I'm using, folks. It's from the college football playoff. Uh, those are the rankings I'm going to use. Uh, I do a separate set of rankings on my uh, football replay, week's replay with CJ. But the ones I'm using for this particular uh, episode are going to be the college football playoffs rankings the first week ranking just came out so it pits the number seven louisville cardinals against the bc golden eagles uh boston college is getting a home game here they finally got off the schneid last week getting their first acc win and more than a dozen efforts um so good for them this will be a tough game um you're looking at a bc team under adazio that's known for defense and they run you know, an old school kind of option-based offense has been what Adazio's run, uh, mixing some passes in there as well. Uh, got the transfer from Kentucky, Patrick Tulls in there. And you look at Louisville with one of the most dynamic players, if not the uh, most dynamic player in likely Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson uh, on offense. And this is a high-flying offense. They score a lot of points. They're scoring bunches. But the last couple of weeks, it seems like things are starting to get to them. So the outlook for Boston College, the home team here, it's going to be limiting possessions. See, Louisville is able to destroy teams the way that they do because they get multiple possessions. You want to make sure Louisville doesn't get more, if possible, than eight possessions in this game. That's going to be a, a hard task. But you want to really grind out the clock. You want to take the full clock. You want drives that last anywhere from 7 to 12 plays where you get a couple of first downs. Even if you have to punt, you want to make sure that you've at least taken a few minutes off the clock each time. None of these quick three and outs with pass plays. You really want to dominate the clock. For Louisville, Louisville has to put pressure on the run game. They have to allow their front four to get pressure towards the quarterback but those linebackers have to play really tight to the line of scrimmage and make tackles fill gaps and force towels to throw the ball and try to make big plays that's where they can get turnovers they can force them out of the run game and they can maximize their possessions getting 14 or so uh, with the way that they play up tempo as far as my analysis in this game you really start to look at what the strengths and weaknesses are of each team and the strengths of Louisville just look to counterbalance any of 
the strengths and overwhelm the strengths of Boston College. Boston College does play good sound defense. They just don't have the athletes, especially on the fringes and at the the ends, the Russians, to really maintain against a guy like Lamar Jackson. And once he breaks that pocket, those poor corners will be left exposed. As for a prediction, I have Louisville pulling this one off, uh, putting up uh, six touchdowns, winning 42 to 14 over Boston College. The point spread on this one is 24 and a half for Louisville. So that means I have Louisville covering since they went by 28. And the over-under is actually 56 on this. So I'm calling for a push. I'm I'm giving you all advice to stay away from that over-under. It's one of those situations where it'll either be a game where Louisville comes close to matching it themselves. Or, you know, it's going to be an under. But it'll be in that same range. It's too close to call. If it's ever within two to three points... Of the over-under when you do your projection, you, you wane against it. You tell people to stay away from it, and that's what I'm doing here, folks. The next game up is an SEC matchup. This is an intriguing one, folks. Uh, the number 11 Florida Gators will travel to Arkansas to face the Razorbacks in Fayetteville. Now, this will be a 3.30 p.m. game. It's that, uh, that CBS game, so you'll get... Uh, the CPS analyst. I actually don't know for sure if it's going to be Danielson and, and Vern Lundquist since there is a, a pretty special game going on CBS at nighttime, but we'll see what you get. And why this is an intriguing game is because this is a matchup that seems pretty good for the road team. Uh, you've seen a lot of injuries and depth concerns for the home team in Arkansas on both lines. And they couldn't stop anything in their last game, giving up more than 500 yards rushing against Auburn. You look at Florida, while they're still an incomplete offense, the defense has come around and looks like the Florida defense we expected. Week one against UMass, I didn't like the way they looked. I'm used to dominating defense, and they didn't look that good, but they've really come around and they're playing sound football. Now, keys to victory for the road team Florida. Florida's key to victory is really going to be ball control and maintaining. See, in this particular environment, it seems like you should dominate the game. Everyone's pointed to you nominating. You just beat your rival. You don't want to go out there and let a guy like Luke Del Rio, who has played management football, pretty mediocre uh, to the standards of a college quarterback, but he hasn't been bad. He hasn't turned the ball over a bunch. He hasn't done any of that. So you have to keep that going, knowing that you have the de- the defense to support you and you have the skill superiority to an Arkansas. So stay under control because you are in a road test. As for Arkansas, the keys to victory, they have to allow themselves to let it fly. Allen is throwing some pretty nice passes out there. He wasn't protected against the front four of Auburn, and they really were at the end of a stretch of just getting pounded on by the Alabama's and A&M's of the world and 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 they needed this break so this break has given them the opportunity to really get a little more healthy and also pay attention to uh, what's in front of them now as far as the overview for the game I actually see this one being a game where both sides especially Florida plays it close to the vest early I think Arkansas will try to establish the run something they haven't been able to do that well this year Uh, but late in the game I'm going to go with the quarterback that I actually trust more. I trust Allen more than Del Rio trying to throw the ball. I think this will be a a close, low-scoring game early, 
And late in the game, I expect the home team, Arkansas, to pull out a one-point victory, 21-20 over Florida. Remember, when teams like this get a bye week and they're playing at home and couple that with the opposing team coming off a huge win like Florida just came off of against Georgia, that, that spells doom for Florida unless they can get an early lead and really force the hand of Arkansas. Uh, so like I said, Arkansas 21-20 is my prediction. Uh, Florida's favored by four and a half, but that line is moving down, down, down. I think it started at five and it's already moving in some sites to four. Uh, and the over-under is 47, so I'm, I'm going for the under. So Arkansas covers. They actually went outright in this particular scenario, and I'm going with the under. I just think that it's going to be a defensive-controlled team and game. Though Arkansas can't stop the run, this is not the same type of run set that Florida runs. They struggled against the teams that ran that spread option, read option type deal with Arkansas. I mean, with uh, sorry, Auburn having sweep action and a lot of uh, pulling with the guard to fill uh, against Texas A&M and also against uh, Alabama with Jalen Hurt. So Florida doesn't have that type of run attack. They'll be able to, to man that well and keep them in line. The next game is also a 3:30 game, com- competing game on ABC. This is a Big 12 matchup between the team that I actually think is going to win the Big 12 now that I've seen everything start to to move in its direction. And this is a team that's won the Big 12 multiple times, it seems like, over the last uh, handful of years. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are have been in the driver's seat to win the Big 12. Oklahoma State Cowboys, the number 15 Oklahoma State Cowboys, at the Kansas State Wildcats. There's one thing to be said about Kansas State. They play football. And what I mean by that is they really do represent as well as possible. They play sound football, even for the quote-unquote lack of athletes that they have in comparison to a school like, let's say, Oklahoma. It's a very football-sound team. Uh, Schneider gets them going in the right direction, and he does things really well. They're probably the best uh, talent-to-production coach in the country in a lot of respects. And they look at Oklahoma State. They really do a great job there. They produce NFL talent. They usually have a defense that flies around and can make plays, but their offense is usually one that's a high flyer. They're probably the best defensive squad year in and year out in the Big 12, it seems, uh, when you really get down to it. Now, for this particular matchup, uh, the key to victory for Kansas State is forcing the hand of Mason Rudolph. They have to put him in a box, not allow him to utilize his legs, because once he gets his legs going, that's when he starts to make plays in the passing game. It seems like he gains comfort being able to get outside the pocket, and it makes him more comfortable when throwing from the pocket. Knowing that he has that stress on the defense makes them think a second longer, and it eases his mind, it seems like, as a quarterback. So that's what Kansas State has to do, is they really have to force the hand of Rudolph. A lot of delayed blitzes, keep them in the pocket, and then bring that pressure right up the middle. As for Oklahoma State, I think that they have to keep playing opportunistic football. And that sounds easier said than done, but they've been able to do it week in and week out, causing big turnovers. They put you in stress positions and also play a good brand of defensive football where they don't miss a lot of tackles, unlike some other Big 12 uh, teams. Uh, And not only do they not miss a lot of tackles, They also seem to be Johnny on the spot for turnovers uh, way too often. Now, 
as for the uh, outcome of this game, I see this game playing out with Kansas State really controlling the ball, controlling the clock, and also keeping this game in line, not turning the ball over so Oklahoma State's unable to pull away. But at the end of the day, Oklahoma State does win by three, 31 to 28. Kansas State's actually a three-point favorite in this game, but there's a lot of action on Oklahoma State. I think they're the better team, more talented team. Uh, but this is a Kansas State home game. This can easily swing. That's why I even before seeing the line saw this as a really close game with Oklahoma State's talent winning out, them not being able to blow out Kansas State, much like last week against West Virginia, where it was an even game, but West Virginia turned the ball over too many times and, and Oklahoma State really capitalized. Now, the over-under on this, interestingly enough, is 59. That is what my score was before seeing the over-under. I had it at 59, 31-28. to 28. So I'm calling for the push. I say stay away from this over-under. It's a game that if the, the turnovers are not there, it will be a pretty even game, even pushing to, towards the under. Uh, if there's turnovers or, you know, any big special teams plays, that's where the over can occur. I don't think that this is a safe game to bet on for that particular portion of the line. But... I'm pretty certain on the Oklahoma State covering. Next game up is a Big Ten game between two traditional powerhouses. You have the number 10 Nebraska Cornhuskers visiting Columbus to face the, I'm sorry, folks, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Don't really like saying it, but eh, I'll give some respect. They've won a national championship recently. Uh, This is a primetime game. It'll be on at 8 p.m. on ABC. And it's an interesting one. You have a Nebraska team that I haven't been impressed with them the whole year. I'd seen a couple of games. I saw part of the Indiana game. Didn't see the whole game, but saw part of the Indiana game. Felt like they got lucky early on, and Indiana really in the second half controlled that game. Um, The Wisconsin game gave me a good outlook on them. I think that Nebraska actually does play a good brand of football, and uh, Riley has them doing things the right way. And Tommy Armstrong is that type of quarterback who can make big plays and make things happen. As for Ohio State, I think Ohio State has been stale because they have been pressured. You know, you have a lot of attrition and a lot of young guys are forced to play this year. You know, just a few years ago, you had what looked like a dominant team. They won a national championship. You had Zeke Elliott and you had all these guys and Bosa and so much strength. And then all the pressure started to mount even on the older guys who left. Well, now the young guys are taking over. And I think it's part pressure because they're expected to compete, if not win the Big Ten, then go to the national championship playoff. But you also have the pressure of being young. So you've seen some quote-unquote clunkers against Penn State where they lost and against uh, Northwestern last week where they didn't look good. They didn't look like a sound team. Uh, I think that being at home, getting this big-time matchup to get up for, because I think that's part of it against Northwestern, and that's no shot to Northwestern. In fact, I think that Northwestern proved they're a good football team by playing well against a team that, quote-unquote, didn't take them seriously. And when they looked to wake up, they couldn't wake up too much because Northwestern put a lot of pressure on them. Um, So those are the outlooks for the team. Keys to victory. The key to victory for Nebraska is they have to – get production out of the backfield. Newbie and Armstrong have to produce. You need those wide receivers on the fringe to make some plays. They didn't make many plays in the game against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a is one of the top five defenses in the country, folks. 
If you didn't know, now you know. At worst, top eight. They play a great brand of football, and that's why I was impressed by Nebraska, because Nebraska was able to actually move the ball a little bit on them and do some things. So they have to get play out of the backfield, and on defense, they have to put stress on the passing game. They have to force J, uh, JT Barrett to actually throw the ball and make him throw the ball not on go routes or anything like that where it's easier for a guy who's not a precision passer. No, force him to throw those those in routes. So play him towards the middle. Usually you don't want to give the quote-unquote easier throw, but for Barrett, I think it's actually something you want to force him to do. Force him to throw those dig routes. Force him to, force him to even throw the post. You want to make him throw the ball from the pocket and try to make plays with his arm. Now for Ohio State, Ohio State has to mix up blitzes and also show some some very, really interesting looks. You know, sky cover blitzing from one side where they only leave two on the the opposite side to cover uh, the entire side of the field, uh, forcing really just a, a lot of uh, look towards just one side of the field, almost where you leave just a position open and hope that Armstrong doesn't notice it quickly and take advantage of it uh, over the top. You have to force Armstrong to turn the ball over for Ohio State to really take control of this game the way that they could. And on offense, more than anything, they really need to get JT Barrett in the rhythm early. It might call for little things like shovel passes just to get him getting some completions, see the ball matriculate down the field, you know, some some short short stuff. Get get him getting comfortable and getting him some uh some confidence. It just doesn't seem like the confidence is there for that Ohio State offense currently. Looking at how it's going, I actually think this is going to be a good close game in the first half. And then I think there's going to be a moment where Ohio State's up by seven. Nebraska has a three and out or, or, or a situation. And then it happens. There's a big return. It sets Ohio State up with a good opportunity to score. And they go up by two scores, and then the game will pretty much be over. I have Ohio State winning 31-17. to 17. Now, that seemed like a pretty big point spread to me for two teams that are only four spots apart, both in the top ten. But apparently, Vegas and the powers that be thought it should be even bigger. Um, they have this as a 17-point spread. Uh, Ohio State favored by 17. So with my score of 31-17, I actually have Nebraska covering with that 14-pointer. And the over-under is 52. My combined score is 48. I'm going with the under. I think this will be a, a game that could get out of hand. Um, but I think Ohio State, if forced into a stress position, will try to slow things down, cool things back, and maintain more than anything. And now, the game I really want to talk about and don't want to talk about. Those who know me or followed any of my shows know that I'm an LSU fan. I make that very clear when talking about the team that, yes, though I try my best to respect the sanctity of football and be an analyst who's clear and concise, I do have a bias. And I put it out there that it's unintentional. Uh, my analysis is usually on point, but sometimes I can uh, go a little off kilter when it comes to LSU especially in this particular matchup, because this is the number one Alabama Crimson Tide visiting Death Valley against the number 13 LSU Tigers. It'll be an 8 p.m. game on CBS. The SEC only does a few of these games, these night 8 p.m. games on CBS. 
It's only for the big boy games, LSU, Alabama. Uh, back in the day, it used to be uh, Florida, LSU. Um, these are the, these are the games. So in this particular one, you get an outlook of a team that has won five straight games in Bama against LSU. And when it's been in Death Valley, we have had the exact opposite effect, the less miles effect, uh, against teams such as Florida or South Carolina or uh, Auburn back in the day where we'd have fake field goals and, and fake punts and going for it on fourth down. Seemed like the Mad Hatter always had uh, a little luck up his sleeve. Well, we've had bad luck in 2012 and 2014. 2012, there was a screen pass by TJ Yeldon for a touchdown after dominating the second half, holding Alabama only 39 yards of offense through two almost two full quarters. And then in 2014, you take a lead, and then you kick the ball off and kick it out of bounds, giving them a short field to tie it up. Alabama has been a team this year. They have played a good brand of football. And one of the things that I'm impressed with Nick Saban more than any other coach, and it used to be Urban Meyer did a little bit of this, he adapts to what he has on his squad. More than any other coach, he adapts. He has a dual-threat quarterback that can – he's not the best passer yet, not the most polished in Jalen Hurts. So what do you do? You run more read option than you did in the past. They can't run the same thing they used to run for A.J. McCarron. And on LSU's side, I actually had a little exchange with a group text where it was a Florida fan, and he, he made a statement that LSU's offense is garbage and their defense is paper mache. Well, apparently he hasn't been looking at the last three games. LSU has actually set school records in each of the last three games for offense. Because it's not the same basic offense that it's been under Les Miles. Ed Ogeron's actually utilizing that talent and allowing these guys to have confidence and a swagger that they have not had in several years. And on defense, this is one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, Dave Aranda is really a quality defense coordinator that is all about sound defense. All about assignment defense. And I like it. Now, keys to victory. I'm going to go over the keys to victory for Alabama first. The key to victory for Alabama is forcing the hand of the quarterback, Danny Etley. That is it. You have to allow yourself to load the box. You have to just say, okay, we're just going to have to take this. Our corners and make a Fitzpatrick, who might also play a little safety, uh, Marlon Humphrey. These guys are going to make some plays. We, we have five-star guys for a reason. Yes, you don't have Eddie Jackson, which is a big loss, but you have to make sure that seven and five don't win the game for LSU if you're Alabama. That doesn't mean that you strictly play man. You still have to play zone concepts, obviously, but you want to be more responsible for taking the run game away. And on offense, take what LSU gives you. There is nothing wrong if you're Alabama, being that you're on the road, with being patient. You have a a freshman quarterback, and he's played well so far, but his big game has been at home against Texas A&M. The Tennessee team was a shell of itself, so it didn't count. Uh, So you have to allow him to not let the the night game atmosphere at Death Valley get to him because it's gotten to even the best of him. It's gotten to Tim Tebow, and he won a Heisman. So you have to take it slow with him. 
make the quality play and not force things with this young man. For LSU, the key to victory, LSU has to take a few chances on offense. They have to allow the ball to be thrown by Danny Etling. Maybe they mix in something where they they do a, a flea flicker. They might have to get him out on the edge just to know he's not going to run the ball, folks. Get him on the edge so that he has a sticks concept, something where he has layers and he can make the easy throw. He is a he's a veteran quarterback and he can make simple throws, which is what Brandon Harris couldn't do. Allow him to get into a rhythm so that they have to adjust the defense and loosen things up because Alabama does want to stop seven and five, but especially seven, since he said a lot about what, what's going to happen this week. As for my prediction as far as game flow and how things are going to go, I really do think that LSU has a chance to win this game, especially considering how the offense has looked and the most frustrated person in the building by the departure of Les Miles will be Nick Saban. They had the game plan. They had the game plan. Every week, they had, they knew the test was coming, and they had all the answers. With Ed Ogeron, you don't know what the heck you're getting. So it gives them the opportunity with the talent level because this is the most talented team in the country not named Alabama. I think they're more talented LSU than even Florida State, Clemson, or Ohio State. I think Alabama is the only team in the country with more talent, and it's not by a lot. They're just much better coached than most other teams. At the end of the day, while I think a good fight will be put up by LSU to the point where I do see this actually being a game in the first game in a while where LSU goes over 21 points. I think they put up 24 points in this game. Unfortunately, I think Alabama will have the ball late, and I think Alabama will put up seven late. And I think Alabama pulls this one off 31-24. The positive that I can draw here is that that means LSU covers the eight-point spread that it currently is. A lot of money's going on. It's down to seven and a half on some books and even moving towards seven. So jump on it quickly if you feel uh, frisky for that. There might be some uh, bad action on it, though. Uh, you might get like a minus 125. I've even seen minus 130 in some places on this particular uh, on the eight-point spread. And the over-under is 45. They've been paying attention to the past games. I don't think it's going to be as tight as that score indicates because just looking at it, 45, it really means that they think Alabama is going to end up winning this game in the fashion of a 24 to uh, 17 type variety or 25 to – they're going to win in, in that type of variety. I don't think so. I think this actually goes over. I think it goes pretty comfortably over because you're going to see the dam break in the second half. Ed Ogeron's coaching for his job. There's going to be a lot of big plays had, whether it's Alabama having big plays because Ed Ogeron told the offense to just push the envelope or LSU scoring points, forcing Alabama to try to score points. But this should be a heck of a game. This, to me, is the team, even more than Auburn, that has the opportunity to beat Alabama because... By that point in the season, I think, especially with what Auburn's offering at quarterback with uh, Steve White, I think that LSU has the best opportunity of anyone in the SEC to beat this Alabama team. So, folks, those are my games. Again, 
I have Louisville covering their 24 and a half and a push on the over under 56. I have Arkansas covering their uh, plus four and a half, winning outright, actually, and the under on 47. I have Oklahoma State covering their plus three, winning outright with a push on the 59. I have Nebraska covering the minus 17 with an under on 52. And I have LSU covering the minus eight with an over on the 45. So that's this week, week 10. Uh, that's the the five and five. Folks, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on the Facebook channel if you ever want a, a certain game discussed. Uh, I try to go with the biggest games of the week. You know, there's safer bets to go with. You always want to look for what the Navy line is because it's usually easy money, uh, especially if a team had a, a tough game the week prior. So there's easier games to bet on, but I like to go with the biggest games, and I like to take the challenge on of selecting what's going to happen in these big games because playing it safe, that's just not the way I do it. So for the Football Game Plan Radio Network, this is Chris James signing off. Enjoy this weekend of football. I know I will. Take care.